God, thank you for the story of the dry bones that has been read to us. We pray that you would help us as we reflect upon this uh, very dramatic story, this story that has imagery that uh, seems like something out of a science fiction movie. But we pray that uh, by your Spirit, we would have a sense of what that means for us as a church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a, as a husband, one of the, the uh, enjoyable things for me in, in uh, having this rule is to be able to uh, discover the, uh, the gifts and the things that my children and my family are really good at. And all five of them have uh, something special about them, things that they're interested in. Just to give you a partial list, uh, uh, Justice, he is very gifted when it comes to music. Uh, he is not very disciplined. He doesn't uh, practice, uh, but he can just pick up an instrument and figure it out and to be able to uh, learn how to, to do something. He just figures out songs. Uh, Emma and Faith are both interested in art, but in different ways. Uh, Emma is very much into just drawing pictures or doing painting, and she's starting to paint statues and doing that kind of thing, whereas Faith is really interested in animation, and she has been able, through the the miracle of of technology, to be able to uh, make her own little animated shorts, and it's just amazing to to watch that. Uh, Now, when it comes to Amanda, I don't know what her specialty is, because I haven't found anything that she's bad at yet, Uh, and it's quite frustrating, let me tell you. Uh, There are times on a Saturday night where she will have made the meal for the people, and of course they will rave at uh, what it is that she has made. And then she uh, leads in music, does a fantastic job in that, and then preaches this incredible sermon, and then goes around and provides fantastic pastoral care. And so it's just uh, amazing to be able to watch that. Uh, what's my specialty? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I, I, I sometimes try to uh, think that maybe it's my sense of humor, my, my ability to tell uh, incredible puns. Uh, however, I, something I noticed at this church, that the first year that I was here, uh, every joke that I said, uh, people laughed and laughed, and I thought, wow, this is great, this is the most uh, amazing church ever. And, and it seemed like right after my first year, like right to that Sunday, uh, it kind of petered out a bit. And uh, there's a mix of kind of that embarrassed laughter and, and some uh, a few boos as well. So uh, maybe maybe my puns are my specialty. Maybe they are not my specialty. I don't know. Uh, but it's also great as a, as a pastor uh, of a church to be able to discover that different people are uh, have a passion for certain things or have a, have gifts for certain things. And you know what? Even God has a specialty. And God's specialty is actually bringing life from death. That is what his specialty is. Now, uh, of course, that includes uh, uh, physical resurrection from a physical death. Uh, that is true. We, we see that in Jesus Christ. That is so important. And that resurrection is uh, to be shared with us, that we will all experience uh, that kind of resurrection. But it's not just in terms of an afterlife. It's not just in terms of responding to uh, physical death. It also happens in the, in, uh, there are people who are alive who are feeling dead inside. That there is just de- a feeling of, of death around us. 
And God reaches down and brings life from that. And we, we find that all through the scriptures. Uh, one of my favorite passages is from John 10.10 that says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is Jesus speaking. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Sometimes that's translated as abundant life. And that's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring abundant life. That we don't just make it through life. We don't just continue breathing. But there's a, a, a sense of, of a real, uh, incredible life flowing through us. Resurrection power flowing through us in this life. And so uh, we're going to take a look at this idea through a, a really bizarre uh, story from the book of Ezekiel. So I just want to give you just quick background on, on who Ezekiel is and, and where he appears in the, in the history of Israel. Uh, what had been taking place, we had Israel and Judah. Uh, Israel in the north had been conquered by the Assyrians. And then Judah in the south had been conquered by the Babylonians. And once they had been conquered, uh, the uh, uh, Jerusalem had been destroyed, uh, the temple had been destroyed, and many of the Jews had been exiled into Babylon. And one of those exiles was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was uh, away from Israel, away from Jerusalem, and he was in exile, and God began to speak to him through some really bizarre visions, not just in this chapter, but throughout the uh, the chapters, just some incredible stories that are found there. And so in the, in the midst of that, uh, where uh, Ezekiel is just ha- really having a sense of the loss that they have experienced as a nation, uh, he is given this vision. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit uh, reveals this, this picture to him of, of coming into a, a valley that is filled with uh, dry bones. Now, uh, a couple of people have commented that the, uh, the image on the, the bulletin and uh, the image on the screen as well, it's kind of a jarring image. Like, we're not going to have to look at that for all that time, are we? Yeah, you're going to have to look at that because uh, you're, it's supposed to be jarring. It's supposed to be making you a little bit upset. It's, it's supposed to be making you uncomfortable. Uh, it is a, uh, an, an image that uh, was really jarring to Ezekiel as well. Because uh, in, in the ancient world, and, in, and really today as well, but uh, it was bad to die, but it was far worse for you not to receive a, a good burial. Uh, for bodies to be left out was really a sign that things were not the way they were supposed to be. Being buried was so, so important. And the image that is given to us here is that there's all these bones. It's as if an army had been slaughtered on the battlefield and they were just all left out. And so not only were the, the bones picked clean by wild animals, but they had been left out for so long that they were all very, very dry. This is not the way things were supposed to be. And in the midst of that, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. And so Ezekiel prophesies to these bones. And I just love the way it's described there, how the bones start to come together uh, uh, um, just piece by piece. And as they do it, you can hear the rattling. And in, in my mind, as I read this story or I hear it read, I can just picture the rattling of these dry bones as they're just uh, finding where they belong to each other. And they all come together. And then they begin to be covered 
by muscle and to be covered by flesh. And so now you have these, uh, these bodies, these physical bodies that are looking more proper. It's no longer a uh, pile of dry bones. Uh, they are looking normal, but they're still not alive. And so God has Ezekiel uh, prophesy once more, prophesy that the breath of God would be breathed into them. And this is very similar to what we actually find in Genesis with Adam, that Adam is, is uh, created out of uh, the dust, and he's laying there, but he's not alive. And then the breath of God is breathed into him and becomes a living soul. And that's what happens here. You have these dead bodies that are covered in flesh, but they're still dead, and the uh, the breath of God comes into them, and they become a, a, a living, mighty army that is standing before Ezekiel. It's just an incredible story that is going on here. And one of the things that's very interesting on here is that this is uh, not about uh, so much about an afterlife or anything like this. This is an image of what would happen to Israel. Uh, that Israel seemed to be in such a bad spot. It seemed to be completely hopeless. That the, the city had been destroyed, the temple had been destroyed, everything was bad. They were as if they were uh, not just a bunch of, of uh, dead bodies, but dry bones that had been left out, had been refused burial. And it looked to be as hopeless as possible. And yet God was planning restoration, that it was all going to come together, and not just to physically come together, but to have the, the breath of God uh, breathed into them. Now, uh, it's at this point uh, that we need to realize that there's a play on words here, because the Hebrew word for breath and wind and spirit is all exactly the same thing. When you see those different words in English in the Bible, translators are having to make choices as to how to translate that. But the Hebrew word is still always the same. So when it talks about the breath of God being breathed into them, that is the same word. You could just as much say that the Spirit is being breathed into them. So you see some talk of the Spirit. You see some talk of the breath. i just like to make note here that technically... God is making a pun, okay? I just want to say that, that when I am saying my puns, that I have a very good example, and I believe that punliness is next to godliness, okay? So anyways, just the next time you're going to groan at one of my puns, just realize that where it's all coming from. Uh, so anyways, there, there's this play on words about the Spirit. And so just as the, the breath of God is bringing life to these dead bodies, the Spirit of God is going to bring life to Israel, to the people of God. It's all going to come together. And what looked to be completely hopeless is going to become something that is absolutely incredible. Just a, a fantastic miracle. Now, we could look at this and we could focus on what this means for us as individuals. That All of us at certain times, we feel that life is falling apart and uh, we, we're seeking that we will have some kind of uh, of miracle like this. And there is that message in here. There is that hope. But I'd actually like to focus really on what this means for us as a church because uh, this passage in Ezekiel is focusing on Israel as the community, as the people. What was God going to do with the people of Israel? Not just an individual uh, person here or there, but as the people of God. 
And according to the New Testament, we have been grafted, as Christians, we have been grafted into that. What is God going to do in the church? And I, I see two principles, basically, that we can find in this passage that apply directly to us as a church. The, the first principle is you don't judge based on what you see just in the moment. So when Ezekiel sees in that valley a pile of dry bones, if you were to make a judgment right at that moment, the judgment would be there is no hope here. This is just a, a scene of just terrible grief and injustice that not only have all these people been killed, but their bones have been left out. It is just terrible. And so your judgment would be that this is terrible. Uh, the, the judgment for Israel, that they had been conquered, that their capital city had been destroyed, the temple, which was the dwelling place of God's presence, all of that is gone. You would judge, based on that, that there is no hope whatsoever. And yet, this story is telling us that that is not the case. You do not judge by what you see just in the moment. That uh, when Ezekiel first saw those bones, there's no way he would have anticipated, uh, first of all, that they would be brought back together and they would receive their, their muscles and flesh, but that breath would come into them and that they would stand as a living, mighty army. He couldn't have anticipated that. In the same way, Ezekiel, as he was in exile himself, as he knew that Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was down, he couldn't have anticipated that within less than a century that not only would the Babylonians be conquered, but the people who would conquer the Babylonians would allow the Jewish people to return to their land, and not only would they allow them to return to the land, they would invest in helping to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple. You would never have thought of that. During that Babylonian exile, you would never think that things could turn around as much as they actually did. So what does that mean for us as a church? Well, uh, I think uh, we are not in the place uh, that's being described here. I would not describe our church as a, as a pile of, of dry bones, nor would I say that we're in a, as bad a position as Israel was during the exile. But it is very easy for us as a church to look at the limited resources that we have. There's a mission that we want to accomplish, and we might think, well, we don't have as many people as we would like, or we don't have as much money as we would like, or we don't have uh, people with enough time to do the things that we would like, or maybe there are some limitations with our building that we can't do what we want to do. Uh, we can look around and say, well, this is not really the ideal situation in terms of accomplishing and being the church community that we want to be. And this story says, you don't look at that. It's not about what you see in the moment. It's not about uh, any particular limitation of, of a certain resource or anything like that. It's about God. That God is in the business of resurrecting. He's in the business of bringing together bones. He's in the business of bringing Israel back. And he is in the business of doing mighty things in a church despite any lack that might exist. And that's the the first principle that we need to be remembering. The second principle is it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. You know what? As Baptists, we don't talk as much 
uh, about the Holy Spirit. We we spend a lot more time talking about Jesus, and that's great because we're Christians and we, we follow Christ. Uh, but we can't just let the Pentecostals talk about the Holy Spirit. We the Holy Spirit's ours as well, right? Uh, it's Holy Spirit is for every Christian, whatever denomination or tradition uh, we are, and we have got to remember from this passage that the miracle that takes place happens with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you how important the Holy Spirit is. When Jesus was with his disciples and he's announcing to them that he is going to die and he's going to return to his father. And they're really upset about this. Obviously, if we were in a situation like that, we'd be upset as well. And Jesus says to them, actually, it is for your benefit that this happened because once I return to the Father, the Father will send his Spirit upon you and you will have a greater benefit, each of you having the Holy Spirit, than if I just physically remained with you. So that's what Jesus is saying. Our current situation uh, with every believer having the Holy Spirit within them, that that is better than having Jesus Christ physically on earth with us. That's what he's saying in the Gospel of John. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. And anything that we want to see happen in the church, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives guidance and wisdom in terms of which direction we we go, the, the ways that we work but also the Holy Spirit provides what we need. He provides uh, the, the courage. He provides the patience. He provides the strength. We have got to rely fully on the Holy Spirit. Uh, last night at our, at our Saturday night service, uh, we had a, a great time, uh, but there was some really uh, wild ministry taking place there as there were some people uh, experiencing some very uh, major difficulties because of mental illness. And it was pretty challenging. It was a time that we needed to rely on the Holy Spirit. No other resource at that time would have helped us other than the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was with us and got us through that. So that is something that we need to rely upon as a church. Now, I uh, used to belong to a different tradition before I became a Baptist uh, that put a lot of emphasis on the concept of revival. They were always talking about revival. But they defined rival, uh, revival as a very specific thing. A revival was about having extra services and having longer services and having louder preaching. Okay, that's what revival is. If you got to have, you're going to have a whole bunch of services during the week. Uh, you're going to have longer Sunday morning services, and that preacher is going to be yelling. He's going to be screaming. He's going to be going. And that's what revival was. But you know what? That's not really what revival is according to Scripture. Certainly not what it is according to this passage. I still believe in revival. I want revival for this church. But the revival that the Scriptures talk about is a experience of the Holy Spirit where He infuses His life-giving power into us, enabling us to be the people that God has determined us to be, to be. And that outpouring of the Holy Spirit will overflow and affect all of our relationships and how we interact with the people around us, how we uh, make a difference in the, the, our community and so on. That is what real revival is about. And that is going to come about by the power of the Holy Spirit. God breathing His breath into us. And that's the promise the Scripture gives us. Uh, so let, let us close in prayer. And as we pray, I, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to uh, to be with us, 
uh, to fill us and to empower us to be his people. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this story, this amazing story of dead, dry bones. And you poured out your spirit upon them and they became a mighty army. Uh, Lord, we sit here before you, uh, not as, as dry bones, but as people who, who need your life, who need your strength, who need your wisdom. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. We know that we have the Holy Spirit in us the, the moment that we become Christians. Uh, but Lord, we ask that you would fill us with an extra measure that our minds and our hearts would be open to the leading of your Spirit, that as a church we would have wisdom in the ways that we go, that we would have the everything that we need by your Spirit to do the work that you have called us to do. Touch each one of us, that as we go from this place, people would know that there is something different about us, that we have become a living, mighty army. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.